the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's pull out the 2021 crystal ball, shall we? Yes, we shall. Don't expect the 10-year Treasury yield to stay below 1% is my first prediction for 2021. And I feel like that's that's a no-brainer. I hate end-of-the-year predictions. I was talking earlier this week on this very show with Patrick O'Hare. And he goes, I hate end-of-the-year predictions because inevitably something comes along that we didn't see coming. Um, COVID was the story of 2020, and no one saw that in November, December of 2019, right? But you're going to see more and more predictions this time of year, and I kind of like them. I think they're good for us to look at, think about, not necessarily act on. It'll show you the futility in trying to predict the direction of anything, especially the markets, because there's always going to be something that we didn't see coming. Whether it's like a president assassinated, a country invades another country, uh, an oil well can't get capped and spills oil in the Gulf of Mexico. There's things that we just can't predict. And it has a little bit of a butterfly effect. Interesting to note, some of the research I was doing this morning four in the morning is China's trying to say the United States started COVID. (laughs) What a great way to end 2020, right? That we sent it to Wuhan in frozen food. Of course, the United States is trying to say China created the virus in a military lab in Wuhan. Uh, China's also saying, you know, there was months before that we were seeing COVID crop up in other countries, not China. It's like, okay, okay. No one wants to take blame. I get it. I get it. But that's how we're playing the game at this point in time. So my number one prediction is that 10-year treasury is going to be a story that no one talks about in 2021 because it's boring. It's a government IOU. And right now the government's saying, "Eh, we'll pay you back 95 basis points, less than 1% over the next 10 years. If you lend us money and buy our bonds, we'll pay. We've always paid you back. Sometimes when you invest in companies, they go bankrupt. Sometimes when you invest in bonds, they go bankrupt. You don't always get paid back. But the United States government, it's almost a guarantee. It's really a weird word in the financial services industry to use the word guarantee. So I don't typically, I I stay away from it. Compliance officers can run email checks and they, they look for the words guarantee or promise. Um. So it's it's a it's almost a dirty word. I bet you didn't know that, but now you know. So there's gonna be what's called a gradual reflation. You can call it an opening up trade. You could say getting back to 2019 norms, whatever. 
Um, I think that Wall Street parlance, fancy word for going back to work is reflation, right? So that's going to steepen the yield curve, benefiting traders who piled into such wagers in the latter half of the year in the hopes that a patient Fed on the U.S. economic balance would widen the gap between short and long-term bonds. I, I don't expect that to make any sense to 98% of our audience, and that's fine. You just got to know right now we have cheap money everywhere. We have it in the short term. We have it in the midterm. We have it in the long term. In theory, if you're going to give your money to the United States government, you're kind of assuming that inflation is going to run between 2 to 4%. So getting a 1% return, you're saying, I'm okay losing a little bit of purchasing power on my dollar. If the historic norm is that there's 2 to 4% inflation, and you're locking yourself into less than 1% returns for the, each year at the next 10 years, you're losing purchasing power. Therefore, you're encouraged by the Federal Reserve to go after greener pastures, like stocks. Stocks have historically returned 8 to 10%, including dividends. Not bad compared to the 1% the government's given you. All right? Do you see how this works? The government's trying to poke, 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 prod, prod, prod us into getting more exposure to risk. Also, it's trying to poke, 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 prod, prod, prod the lenders into taking on more risk because the cost of money is so low. In the end, it's not the best way to build an economy, but it is what we have. So there's a research company called Zero Hedge I don't expect you to know them. I expect you to know Cheesecake Factory. I expect you to know that your local sports bar. I expect you to know other things in the world, but I don't expect you to know high quality Wall Street research. It's just, it's, it's vague. So here's some of the ideas that JP Morgan and Zero Hedge were bantering around for what's gonna play out in 2021. A bullish view on stocks overall is prediction number one. I get that, I, and I feel that. I do ask the question of, as we move into 2022, what are we gonna say? Right now we're gonna say, oh, we're gonna open back businesses, we're gonna beat COVID. Sometimes, I think Bill Gates said yesterday, you know, by midsummer of 2021, half the country should be vaccinated, and that's still not enough. So he's lowballing it. But he also said that the two companies, Pfizer and Moderna, who've come out with COVID vaccines so far, they're the toughest to make and create in a laboratory. So the, the next three or four that are gonna come from Johnson & Johnson and Merck and other companies, they, he thinks they're gonna be highly effective. This isn't the toughest flu to beat. It's just highly contagious and we don't have anything to beat right now. But he says the Modernas and the Pfizers, their stuff takes a lot of time in the lab to cook and to, to bake and to make into a vaccine. But he goes, the next ones are going to be more flu shoddy. They're not going to be using cutting edge technology like the way Pfizer and Moderna did. With that said, 
He said, we'll have so many candidates and they'll be so easy to make. We'll, we'll be able to flood the market. It's how many people will actually get the flu shot. I heard the most ridiculous thing yesterday. I thought I had the most ridiculous statement of the year when I said, uh, Biden should pay people to get the flu shot. You want a stimulus check, stand in line, get a shot. Um, I think it wasn't Bill Gates, but it was somebody in that CNBC moment that said, we should set up a lottery where you get a flu shot and you get a ticket and you might win $10 million. It would be a lot cheaper than stimulus, right? And Americans love lotteries. Okay, so the second prediction is overweight non-US versus US equities. Go for more international exposure, go for more emerging market exposure versus the United States. Because if you look at the United States, Best Buy doubled this year. Where can they go? Apple had a great year. Like you see 90% of stocks in the S&P 500 above their 200 day moving average. People have hid their money in the United States markets. They've hidden it from the flu. They've hidden it from problems. So prediction number two, and I'm going to go through all these, is think outside the U.S. I don't disagree with that one either. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black and your money. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. This band is that band that sang the song Shut Up and Dance With Me. Follow-up hit was okay, but the Shut Up and Dance With Me was pretty darn catchy. Are you with me against me? I think you're with me. 800-516-1220 gets your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about what you talk about? I'm talking about predictions in 2021, and I'm using a company's research that put together a top 10 list. Because we all love top 10 list. From the home office in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, number one on the list was that a bullish view on equities, stocks, Overall in 2021, overweight non-U.S. versus U.S. That's a tough one because my heart says, um, I know Apple, I know Microsoft. And then when you start investing in foreign companies, the French oil company Total, how much do you know? Or is it that weird? Um it's tough for Americans to sometimes step outside our own comfort level and say, I really don't know anything about this company that's doing, uh, Europe has got a lot of positive energy companies. And I'm going to talk about that in future episodes because I'm doing a lot of work on, can you invest in a company that's going to be the biggest solar power manufacturer in the world? Not panels. They're going to set up solar panels and wind turbines and green energy and they're gonna sell it to the public. I think that's not a bad idea. The next Exxon won't be getting energy out of the ground, they'll be getting energy from the sun, is the thought, right? So number three on their list is overweight value and cyclical equity sectors, over growth-oriented sectors. Again, I find myself agreeing with this list a little bit way too much. I was on a conference call yesterday going over 
a company's allocation going forward, how they shift around the markets. Some interesting commentary. One of them was, oh, yeah, we used to be 20% international. This year we went to 25. I, I could foresee a day in the future where we go 30, 40%. And some of the commentary that followed it was fascinating as well. Like some American investors just don't like the idea of international. Like I only want American stocks in my portfolio. And I don't think the guy was wrong when he said that. But sometimes you have to like nag people. Um, I got a, a hate piece of email from a troll. That's just fantastic. Uh, he was hating on me because over Thanksgiving, there was that story that this is the largest number of um, Cyber Monday, Black Friday online, online delivery, e-commerce, the biggest day ever. And then it was followed by the biggest day ever. Then it was followed by the biggest day ever for e-commerce, right? And I said, if you believe this, then you're going to have to think UPS and FedEx and Amazon are going to be clear winners. So this troll emails me, he was like, you like FedEx. And I looked at their return on investment, return on cash, cash flow, blah, 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 blah. And it's an awful company. You're an idiot. You're hurting your listeners. I'm like, okay, first and foremost, I don't own any. Second, you're listening to a financial show and criticizing it, which tells me you're ignorant and you're looking for a guru who's trying to give you answers. I'm not trying to do that. I'd rather teach you to fish per se than give you a fish. I don't drop stock hints and tips on the show. Like, oh, I think you should buy this company. Um, I'm, I'm not creating lists like that. I tell you what I do. You know, I own Nike all time high. You know, I own Disney at all time high. You know, I own Apple all time high. But when you have to do a show every day, you're going to dig up things like e-commerce and you're going to come up with some stock ideas that may or may not be appropriate for people. I don't think FedEx is going to get anyone in trouble. Do I want to own it? No. Do I see it as a play on e-commerce? I do. So you can kind of like make these cases, but uh, he's a troll. And he went on to quote like another show that he likes. I'm like, you're just a fanboy. You're just an ignorant old man who can't figure out how to invest on his own. So you go to a free radio station and think that they're, they're going to teach you something that's going to be like, you know, from the words of Buddha to you directly. Uh-uh. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm going over the top 21 trading investing ideas according to Zero Hedge. Number one was a bullish view on stocks overall in 2021. I agree. Number two was overweight non-US versus US equities. I agree. Now, again, that could be you going from 20% international to 25. It doesn't have to be 55% international, 45% US or 60%. Kind of, It doesn't have to be. Number four, uh, three on the list was overweight value. Value could be seen in financial stocks right now. Uh, depression could be seen in oil stocks. And they were the big winners in November, basically queuing us up that smart money is, is saying this is the way to play 2021. Over growth sectors. I can't really make a case for Apple at these levels. I own Apple at these levels. I've been selling a little bit of Apple off every other quarter for two quarters now. Um, so I still like it, but I can't make a case for it. If Apple comes out with a product that cures my hemorrhoids, sure. If Apple comes up with a flu vaccine, absolutely. But they don't got that. I knew going into 2020 that they were going to come out with a 5G phone. I bet big on Apple and it paid off. Number four on the list is overweight emerging markets. Sadly, again, I agree. 
so much money has parked itself in the United States that we're, we got a super valuation. So as I go to change my portfolio, my 401k, I'm going to look for emerging market funds. And I might go from 5% to 10% or 15% to 20% or 20% to 25%. You get the idea, right? And I might go, okay, I'm going to take some of my dividend achievers, my SP 500 from 40% to 35%. I'm making up those numbers, but I'm showing you how the game works. Number five on the list is short the dollar. Once again, I agree, but I'm not going to do anything about this one. I don't play the short game when you're betting on something to fail. And I'll tell you why. Too many people in the world have proven me that we're all ignorant, stupid people. Um, we've had people come on radio and talk about, you know, COVID's not real. <laughs> what is it? 3,000 people a day are going to die each day now for the next two months. More than 9-11, more than Pearl Harbor. The two days that we look at in the United States is the worst days ever in, in, in humanity for the United States. And we're going to get two straight months of that. That's shocking. So number five, short the dollar. I get it. We're printing money. Governments, Republicans want a, a trillion here. Democrats want two trillion there. I get it. Number six is short duration and steepeners in the U.S. and euro rates. Uh, no. Again, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to tell you to short bonds. It's just it's not a way for you to make money, in my opinion. Number nine on the list. I'm jumping around is long gold and Bitcoin. That's a fun one. That's a play on the week of dollar or the shorting of the dollar. So I'm not gonna short the dollar, but I do like the idea of long Bitcoin. I know how people work and this is, sometimes it's, it's behavioral even more so than fundamental. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. I'm kind of doing one of those silly end of the year countdowns on what some experts think are going to happen next year. And this is very granular, and I don't recommend this type of approach to investing for most people. Um, just between you and me, uh, I don't think you get rich off other people's ideas. I think you get rich off having a strategy that works for you, that you're consistent with over time. I believe the phrase time in the market is more important than timing the market. I've never met one market timer who is worth a million dollars who turned $10,000 into a million. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people out there who have $10,000 that they want to turn it into a million. And they think, well, someone on Wall Street knows better than I do. And they probably don't is the answer. Time in the market, more important than timing the market. When I was 20, I wasn't wealthy. When I was 25, I wasn't wealthy. 30, 35, 40. It took me to about 45 where I said, I have enough money to last till the day I die. I got there for sure. But it took time, time in the market. and I'm stunned at how long I've owned Apple and how much wealth it's created. I'm stunned. Um, time in the market, not timing the market. And again, I, I know I can't convince you of this. So I'll push forward and, and go back to a top 10 list. I'll shut up and stay in my own lane. But it is what it is. So the top 10 predictions 
that a lot of investors believe in from the hedge fund world. Overall bullish view on stocks, because we're gonna have easy comparisons, I think, with 2020 is the idea. Overweight non-US versus US equities. I agree with both of those. Overweight value and cyclical. I find more attractive names and value and cyclical, absolutely, than growth-oriented names. Uh, overweight emerging markets. I get that same idea of as the world opens back up, we'll travel again and we'll start creating wealth around the world. Instead of constricting wealth, which we've done with the pandemic, we'll start building wealth and, and earning more money and sending more people back to jobs, right? Short the dollar. I'm not a guy who recommends short. That's on the list. Short durations. No, I don't want you going betting against bonds. I, it's, it's not the way to do it. Um, then you get into some sovereign credit, which you don't really have access to. So I'm not even going to talk about that one. Long commodities. Okay, that's an interesting one. Go long. That means be bullish, right? Including copper. Now, this is one I, can, I, I like. I can look for a copper stock. Or I can look at the commodity copper. And go, why would I want to own copper? Gold's prettier. Copper is an industrial metal. It's used in buildings and it's used in roads. So one of the things Biden has said is, I want to get a, <laughs> I don't know if I have a Biden impression yet. Um, he, he wants to do an infrastructure plan. And I love infrastructure plans uh, because it puts Americans to work while it also improve, improve, improves the Americans who are already working their, our lives. So we get better roads, we get better bridges, we get better airports. I like that. And copper's a play on infrastructure. So most of these things that are being thrown around, I agree with. I don't usually say that out loud. I think the most compelling one on that list was go long Bitcoin and gold. I'm not, I'm not gonna go long gold, I refuse. Uh, to me, gold is a play on Christopher Columbus discovering America and <laughs> no. Queens and kings, I need to hire a discoverer of new worlds to go get me gold. And uh, I get that it's a fixed asset. There's only so much in the ground. Same thing with oil. I get it. Bitcoin's a bit weirder, but Bitcoin is the 21st century gold in my mind. And the kids, the children, the young people who are 20 and beautiful, they're the ones who are like, Bitcoin investors, and they have the discretionary money, so I get it. Um, I don't know if I'm jiving with you or not, but those are some of the trends that I think play out in 2021. They're very granular, and I, I don't think you're going to like them because I'm not saying Apple. I said Apple last year. I said Apple the year before. I said Apple the year before. I'm not knocking Apple. It's just, it's, it's a lot of it's baked into the cake at this point in time. And keep in mind, they, they came out with new $500 headsets that I didn't see coming. They're made of steel, iPod, Pro Max, or whatever you want to call them. If you got them in the first hour, you, they're going to be delivered by December 15th. If you waited an hour and a minute, they're, they're not coming until February. So now they're like Valentine's Day gifts. Uh-oh. 
So that's a nice thing, but it's complimentary. It's not evolutionary in my mind. When you try to come up with ideas like this, you're trying to come up with what the consensus is going to do, not necessarily what you want to do, but what you think most people are going to do and most money is going to do. Do I still like Amazon, Facebook, and Apple? Yes. And there's some analysis now that starts to borderline on silly. Um, I heard an analyst speak the other day who was like, yeah, you can't really look at PEs anymore. That's so 20th century. Now you have to look at free cash flow. And Amazon, Facebook, and Apple kick off a ton of free cash flow. Probably some of the best metrics in the world of free cash flow. Now, the companies that have good valuations or low valuations, U.S. Steel, Nucor, Phelps Dodge, those are the companies that kind of crop up when we're looking for one bull market has died, where's the next one going to begin? And I think that's a joke approach to it. When the COVID-19 vaccines were announced, I think we experienced a profound change in the markets. It resulted in a standard deviation of how we look at stocks without performance and value. I would say the COVID vaccines we knew we were going to get, I remember saying or hearing someone say it back in March, April, this will be a fairly easy vaccine to develop. It's not like HIV. Very ultimately easy to develop, but it's going to take time. So I knew we were going to get the vaccine. And I talked about it on air. Sure enough, we got the vaccines. So a profound change happened. And in November, you started seeing massive amounts of money go into different areas from the stay-at-home plays, it shifted to the reopening or reflation trades. I'm good with all this. Interesting note that I'm a product-driven investor. So I like talking very finitely, concretely about product. The Xbox Five or the Xbox Series X, horrible name in my opinion. Um, and the PlayStation Five, they've launched and they're brand new hardware. Now what's interesting about it, the two biggest games that launched with them, Cyberpunk 2077, and I wanna say Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Assassin's Creed something. They're both very buggy games. So we got these shiny new spit polished, wonderful pieces of hardware and the games on them crashed at a pretty regular clip right now. Some games work fine. Like the old Fortnite was just ported over and people are happy with that. Hey, it's faster. It's got more color in it. But the games designed to take advantage of the ray tracing are experiencing technical difficulties to say the least, but I'm product driven. So, I'm glad that the hardware is out there. The software will follow. As an investor, I have some positions in some software companies tied towards video games because I see the number of units growing. 
I look at the data on how well the PlayStation's selling versus the Xbox versus the Nintendo Switch. I look at the dollars spent. Cyberpunk has been delayed and delayed and delayed, and it finally comes out and it's glitchy and people are upset, and yet it's the top selling game ever. It's pulled in more money than the Titanic movie. Like, that's pretty good. Or is, who's the big movie now? Is it Avatar's number one or Titanic? One of the two, right? I know the Star Wars all got leapfrogged, but now I'm totally digressing. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One more thing that I do want to talk about this hour is Airbnb. And DoorDash. I've read some commentary on someone who is, he has lost his mind on why is DoorDash so well liked on Wall Street? It's basically a service that you can't tell the difference. Whether it's Uber Eats or DoorDash, whoever brings it to you, you don't know. Their employees, there's no difference. You can't tell the difference. Um, it's not product that stands out on its own. They're delivering other people's product. So it's kind of a commodity is the way it's being re reasoned. And this one analyst says, I think they'll eventually go bankrupt. I don't think that's going to happen. But I tend to say, I don't like the business model. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thank you for listening to the show. We got a call during the break that I chose not to take on air. I wanted to think about it a little bit. Now that I've thought about it, I'm kind of going to talk about it. She wanted to ask about the Bitcoin Gray Trust, and you can go out and buy a mutual fund that basically has Bitcoin. It's probably one of the better ways of buying Bitcoin if you're going to do it, but let me say this really, really quickly. Bitcoin is not for the average person, and you need to take that warning very, very seriously because I see people make mistakes, and when they do, they are making mistakes with money. And I see people get disillusioned with investing. At one point in time, Bitcoin went from $19,000. Well, let's put it this way. It went from zero to $19,000. And then it went from $19,000 to $3,000. That's too much of a swing for most people to process. And you feel like it's rigged. You feel like you're being cheated. You hate the system. You quit investing. So... I'm going over a list of what traders see as the top themes for 2021. And one of them is go long Bitcoin because they also say short the dollar. Um, and those kind of work hand in hand. Bitcoin is the 21st century gold in my mind, for lack of a better terminology. But I don't want you to lose when it comes to investing. If you want to put like 3% of your money in Bitcoin or 2%, that's fine. I don't care. If you lose that, you're not going to feel stressed. You're not going to be hurt. I want most of your money in names like Disney and Nike. And again, you need to consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever throw out there. Because I don't know you. 
And I'm not going to be there to hold your hand when Disney CEO says, oh, we've decided to make R-rated movies. And the world freaks out. Disney can't do that. You make children's movies. Yesterday's Investor Day with Disney. Let me just tell you this. It was a Lollapalooza of streaming. Disney stock opened up at an all-time high because of what they said about streaming. They didn't talk about theme parks being down 60% in revenue year over year. But there's going to be a new Disney Plus show called Kenobi. It might be a movie and not a, a, a TV show. And I, I asked my kid, I was like, so Disney announced a, a new show called Kenobi. Do you know what it's going to be about? Let's see if you can get it. And he goes, ah, ah, I don't know. And I'm like, dude, you've got teenager stupidity written all over you. Obi-Wan Kenobi? You don't think it's going to be about Obi-Wan? It's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's going to be a new movie or TV show called The Republic Guards. There's going to be a X-Wing Fire Squadron. There's going to be two new Pixar films. There's going to be two new, like, they went out and they threw down. There's going to be more Marvel superheroes coming our way. But Disney's Investor Day was all about streaming. And uh, how do I, where, where do I go with this? I think I lost my train of thought. Da, 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 let's see. Um, kids, Obi-Wan, streaming, all-time high. Oh, I want you to own companies that you know. When you were a little girl, Susie called. You knew Visa. You knew Visa, right? Now, again, you probably knew GE, and that didn't work out so well for you. But Visa would have. When today, kids, my kids are nonstop on tablets and YouTube. Google's a great idea for my children as an investment. They get it. Um, but then again, there's some antitrust issues there. But go with what you know versus something that is so abstract and strange like Bitcoin. Because when it goes bad, you're not going to have the, the processes to say, oh, I should double down. I would buy Disney every single day of my life for the rest of my life. How's that make you feel? How's that for a crazy, nutty, inappropriate, bold statement? Again, consult a broker advisor taking action. Uh, but that's my idea is people make this much more difficult than they have to. Um, I, I see Apple as a great long-term hold. I see Nike as a great, Nikes were around when I was a kid. I talked about this last week. I used to, my mom and dad used, we were poor and we weren't poor. We were lower middle class. So we, but there were six kids and that'll make the money go away faster, right? So we never had, I had hand-me-downs. And I had cheap sneakers because there wasn't no coming home with $120 Nike Jordans. But the, the Nike shoes were the shoes I wanted. So, and I'm a loyal consumer. Most of us are. Um, I've been a distance runner my whole life. And I've always, Nike shoes keep my heels protected. I've never had injuries on my feet. And because of that, I'll stay with Nike until something goes bad, right? We're the same way with restaurants. I will go to a restaurant every single time. And I like one thing very peculiar. I don't like ketchup. I like barbecue sauce. And 
I'll request, hey, my burger, can I get catch? Can I get barbecue sauce, no ketchup? And it comes out with ketchup. I'm like, why did you do this to me? You're tormenting me, my daughter, my daughter, not your like. And then we become bitter at a restaurant. We like stop going there. But we're pretty loyal until it falls apart. I don't know if that means anything to you, but. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. I was, I'm a little distraught on the DoorDash IPO. I, I, I see that as kind of a area where people are going to get in trouble. Um, it shouldn't have created that many billionaires and the founders. No. I get Airbnb a little bit more than I get DoorDash. But again, you got to go with what you're comfortable with. Comfort is a, probably one of the bigger, most important things in investing, as well as time in the market, not timing the market. I hope this hour made sense to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We'll take a break. Find me online at robblackshow.com.